Welcome to Tom and Jack having the crack, a irreverent look at the week's goings on, um, news and politics. Very good. Very, very good. Should we, should I we... love that, Tom. That was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking lovely. You're fucking, you're like on the, you're on the BBC or something there, fucking focused in on the camera. Yeah. Getting it in. That's like, that's like. Smashed it. Yeah. That's a couple of, a couple of summer camps of drama school. That's what that'll do did, for you. Where did you go to the summer camp? I did a national youth theatre for a couple of years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great because um, I'd always wanted to be around, um, people who are less masculine than me that was a big part of it oh, what this was when you were a teenager yeah I was, so i got in at like 18 so i, I grew up playing rugby never done any like drama yeah. or any, anything like that no that girly stuff yeah <laughs> well, this, this is the thing this is like a big part of i think my draw towards stuff like that was i always wanted to do things i always wanted to do drama i always wanted to do poetry and things but i grew up in the north of england in the 90s and 2000s and it just gets you know i kind of similar because I, I grew up in ireland i, I loved movies like and I and I liked plays, but I liked really serious stuff. Like I'd love to play a gangster in a movie. Like yeah. I'd love to play like a killer in in Godfather. Yeah. But like, if you want to do any kind of acting, where I was from, it was musicals. It was singing. Yeah, I don't want to sing and dance. I, you know, I want. Oh, I see. I wanted to sing and I wanted to dance. <laughs> I want to frighten people. You know what I mean? Oh, you want to sing and dance? And can you sing? I can sing a wee bit and I can dance a wee bit, but I, you're just, just like Billy Elliot, are you? Hundred <laughs> percent. Hundred percent. Just with uh, just with less coal and, not, my, and my shoes are less sparkly. But yeah, I, that was all. I, that was all I wanted to do. It's like I had an English teacher. We did, were doing some readings in class, some Shakespeare readings. And I think it was Othello. I was playing Iago or something. And he was coming to me afterwards, like you should audition for the National Youth Theatre, um, which I thought was like you know a predator. <laughs> I was wondering like is he going to yeah. try and take me off to the broom closet or something? But um, yeah, he was like he's like you should audition for the National Youth Theatre, and I did. And then that was it. Because it was away from school and no one, my friends didn't really know what I was doing. Right, right. I got but away you, with it. But you were 18 though. Oh yeah. So all these, it's quite old. It is. Because all, all these other kids started at like 12, 13. And I remember I was my first year of university. So I remember going for the audition and uh, there was this, I was, I was hung over to shit. <laughs> it's your first week of uni. I was, you know, just yeah. out on the smash. And I was laid down on the floor in this audition hall just thinking, that this, you know, I'm never going to get in. This doesn't matter. I'm just here for the you know banter. And uh, this kid, 14 maybe and I'm 18 at the time comes over and goes hey big guy <laughs> how you doing I uh I get a bit nervous before auditions too you know I like to, I just like to send to myself I like to think about the butterflies in my stomach yeah I was like mate the only thing that's in my stomach is like cheap vodka cheap, yeah, yeah. cheap vodka and uh, then we did the audition and you had to like conjure up an emotion and you had to use three words to describe an emotion and I said like a happy silly thing and this kid would just <laughs> like pain inside no one knows how it feels and i was like i don't want to be part of this yeah yeah part of but this but you did do it though yeah, yeah. so what well, you go somewhere how many weeks is it so you go for like six weeks six weeks yes and it's, it's amazing and where you. is it like in a boarding school that's not a boarding school because it's summertime yeah so it's um the office used to be on holloway road okay um and you stay at some uni accommodation in archway which when you're from other parts of England, like that's coming quite down exciting, to yeah, 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 coming down to London for like six weeks, and you're all like, you know, young people together, just like it's, it's basically like getting a bit of a pre-uni experience for a lot of people before you go wow. off and do that sort of thing. How many people? How many kids would be on this course? Be like they let in about five hundred a year, I want to say right, something like okay. that. But like tens of thousands of kids audition. Apply. How about you? You're singing and dancing every day. Singing and dancing every day. So I was made up. Jesus didn't Christ. have to uh, didn't have to look at any any ruby balls or 
Any I'd find that I'd, that'd be my idea. Hell, like I did it. I did an acting course, like just a small one, like, and and you had to do the music. The musical theater bit was the bit I just. I, I really found it hard. Like, really? Ah, yeah, yeah. I can't sing and <laughs> like the dancing. The dancing was okay, but like, but they were they were right. Like they said, look, just commit to it because you, you you're learning how to psychologically commit to something, yeah. and, and that's that's a big part of it. Like, but uh, yeah, I felt very uncomfortable. That's why I, th- I think it's good for I've you know look at my younger cousins and stuff now, and they don't have any of these hangups. Do we have like the hangups about like oh like, guys aren't supposed to do this or this isn't about you know this doesn't fit in my friendship group or okay, yeah, yeah. Like, so, so what are their hangups then like what? I think their hangups are about being accepted online. It seems to be anyway for my younger cousins. It's just like I, if I can't post about it, I don't really want to do it. Or if I can't, if I if our if our group on okay. Instagram won't accept. So it. <laughs> so they've gone from no longer worrying about their small friend group mm. to worrying about what the whole world thinks about them. <laughs> <laughs> And that's better. <laughs> I no longer care what my ten friends think of me. I care what millions and millions of people who don't know me yeah. think about me. Oh my god! Exactly. So you can uh, is it understandable why depression's going through the roof. Oh yeah. Well, the, 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 yeah. It's just it's you know that thing where they say like we just don't have the the emotional capacity because we everyone compares themselves to people and and yeah. certainly teenagers you grow out I find you grow out of it as you get older you definitely grow up but when you're younger you're very much in that competitive mindset that primal hierarchical kind of thing and when the the pool mm. that you're competing with just gets so big. Yeah, just, no one can win then, can they? You can't win. You no can't win. Can and you wonder, like, what's their life going to be like in 10 years when they're, like, just focusing on these one or two individuals who've, like, skyrocketed or done something amazing. And you'll never really get the sense of reality, which is, like, most people live, you know, just we're, we're We're in so much trouble. Our generation are in so much trouble. Go we're we're going to have to pay for all this because what's going to happen is <laughs> we're going to have to work forever because these guys are all going to be burnt out 10, 20 years. They're, they're mm-hmm. not going to be able for real work and they're just going to yeah. be burnt out and then we'll have to keep working to fund. So I, I, I experienced this a little bit when I was last full-time job I had at ad agency. We had this whole influx of college students and there was something happening where they would leave after like six months. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we sat down as like a sort of management team, like senior-ish group of people and been like, what the fuck is happening here? And we chatted to a couple of these younger kids and they were like, yeah, it's just too stressful trying to manage this job and my, my, my yeah, my online life. And they were giving as much credence to the online life as like work. And then, then we started trying to figure out ways of trying to make them happy in the office. And it was just impossible. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, what do you want? Well, I always say, and even I find this a little bit like the social media thing is, is it makes everybody look like a winner, which then makes everybody feel, feel like, like a, a loser. loser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so pervasive. But the, the other thing, it, it's, I suppose they're just growing up in a, in a world that's unimaginable now. One thing I always think about uh, <laughs> when I think about technology now that's really funny is I remember when I was a teenager and, mm. and Sky Television came out. Yeah. Right. And this was big like and not many many people could afford sky television but anyone who could but there was a there was a there was a feeling that sky television was a little bit more immoral right than everything else that was going on because they would show stuff that normal television wouldn't like you know your bbc and your rte in ireland Mm. had a sense of collective responsibility but sky was just commercial yeah sky would you know wwf like they'll show you any kind of rubbish 
that'll sell. They don't care what harm it is. And obviously they had all the porn channels, the adult channel <laughs> and everything like that. And I remember like the first time <clears throat> I had a friend as teenagers who would get the porn channel. Yeah. They'd have sleepovers. Yeah. So we could all go and watch the like one, two minute um, teaser pre- thing. Preview, yeah, yeah, preview yeah. teaser. And I remember I had a friend and he, he admitted to me that there was sometimes during the week he said, when he knew his parents were in bed, he would sneak out of bed <laughs> and go in and watch the little teaser. He's like 15 or 16. And I remember thinking, that'll fuck him up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, comparing that now to what teenagers can watch now. Unreal. You know, um, so. Because I, I was I was same, but I would do, uh, I would take it one step. Cause I grew up with, uh, it was me, two brothers and my little sister. Okay. So we had like three boys going through puberty all around same the time. same time. Because there's only three years between me and my youngest brother. Very Catholic. Okay. And so like we all had <laughs> unspoken agreement that we would all contribute to the porn stash. <laughs> <laughs> unspoken. <laughs> unspoken. Unspoken. To this <laughs> day. To this day we've never talked about it. <laughs> but we would, those little teaser trailers, we had a yeah. VHS cassette. That I'd labelled Leeds Rhinos versus St. Helens 97. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> labelled it. And I kept it right at the back of the cabinet. And everyone must have gone in and watched it at some point. point. Not talked about it. And we all just added five minutes at a time <laughs> to this VHS cassette. And then we had in the bathroom, there was a drawer. That was so like, you, you've got like an hour of five minute previews yeah. for the adult channel. Yeah, that's it. 100%. And then at some point, someone had a great idea, which is like, there was an adult channel, TVX, and something else. A few different ones. Yeah, so some ones. would be on the hour, some would be uh, on the, uh, 10 minute quarter five. Yeah, they, they did well, yeah. You know, so someone at one point, I don't know which, which brother it was, but one of them had the idea to like start videotaping different channels. So we got a bit of variety. Oh, yeah, 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 that's nice. In the tape. Yeah, so you wouldn't get too bored. And then the other thing we did was in the in the bath, in the the bathroom. My mum's going to hate this. In the, in the bathroom, there was a cupboard that um, we all just, I don't know how we all found out about, out about it, but you removed one of the cupboards and we just started stashing, not quite porn, but like the Sunday times would have a supplement on like the Spice Girls. <laughs> and that would go in there. <laughs> or like a particular page of like Glamour magazine or the Freeman's catalog bra section that would just go in there. <laughs> the videos were risky though. The videos were risky because like, you, you know, your sitting rooms don't normally have locks on them. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I was all like, the, 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 it was just, it was like that carrot that was just, ooh, that carrot's dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Like the magazines were just safer because you go to the bathroom or whatever, but like. Yeah, the no, the no lock and the listening on the stairs, like, for like any creeks. I, gr- I grew up in a big farmhouse. So, so like, you know all the creeks then. It, yeah. it was like windy and creaky at the best of times. So you'd be like, you know, down there doing your five minutes of glory or whatever it is. And then you'd be like, oh, oh. Dude, another thing too is I, I was actually a teenager when play, like Ireland was such a Catholic country that I, th- I think it's in the 1990s when I was a teenager that they, the law changed so you were allowed to sell Playboy. Mm. And so the porn magazines came when I was a teenager. And it became a big thing in my school <laughs> for people to rob them and sell them. Yes. And, and loads of people got caught for it. Um, but the weirdest one I remember is I remember when the internet first came out and, you know, you had the porn sites where it was just pictures of women. But I remember people used to print them. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And if, if, a, if a lad had a printer in his house, he was like God for the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like, that's gr- pretty grainy kind of stuff, like, but very exciting at the time. But like, there you go. Like, that's the, the difference now is just they're, they're growing up in a completely different world. So, so what you're saying is they're work shy. We had to really try for our <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, where's the motivation? 
this, these younger kids, no work ethic. <laughs> no, it's about, oh, well, I, I think that, I don't think that the, I don't think it's it's that's what'll affect the work ethic. I think the the um, <laughs> the psychological difficulties with competing with everybody, because you know there's a whole thing in sports psychology that like the the team that believes they're going to win, yeah works the hardest and trains the hardest. And I think what you, the, the, one of the difficulties you have, like a lot of my generation like worked hard because they believed they were going to win. Now, a lot of them were deluded. But, you know, it's harder to have that delusion if yeah. you're competing with everybody. Do it you know is. what I mean? It's you, harder to maintain that delusion. Like, I might as well just not try. Yeah, why, why, should, it, why should it bother? Like, and you see that thing now, I've been reading about this, the great resignation. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it is kind of happening. There is a, like, there's lots of people who are like, why bother? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're like Woody Allen. Did you ever see that movie Annie Hall? Where yeah. Woody, yeah. Woody Allen, he's like 10. Yeah. And the, the, his parents brought in a teacher and he's just like, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? The universe is massive. And, I, and do you know what? And then obviously like housing being so much more on a foot, like you're not going to get a house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if they keep going up the way they're going up, it doesn't matter how hard you're not going to. So like, why bother? Yeah. And I think when we were like, getting back to this like employment thing, we, we you felt that really viscerally when you're dealing with kids that age. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I am either I either need to be a YouTuber influencer who is very successful, or who gives a fuck, or or like it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's all or nothing. Yeah, it's all or nothing. It's, it's become all or nothing. Yeah. yeah whereas yeah, yeah. we were sort of the like, I think maybe I mean it might come back, but you know obviously our parents were raised with like you just get a job, work hard, progressively, and life seems since since World War Two life's got better, so it will just keep getting better incrementally. Incrementally, yeah. Whereas, and we sort of got that growing up, and we're like that's what you need to do, and we've all had to figure out a wee bit of like oh, maybe I'm not going to have the same cozy progression my grandparents and my parents had, but for people younger than us, they're looking up like. That is never ever gonna happen. So do you think like you know, right, at a at a primal level, everyone believes in hierarchy, everyone wants to win. There's yeah. a thing in humans that they want to win. Yeah. So you have to and a lot of time you create a thing that you're gonna win from. So like you got my my uh you say my grandparents' generation say their win was no war. Right. Yeah. <laughs> low bar. Yeah, low bar. <laughs> low bar, low yeah. bar. Yeah. And we get ice cream. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're winning. We've beaten our parents, right? Uh then my parents' generation are like, we're a lot richer. Mm-hmm. Like we've got way more stuff, we got bigger houses, we got cars, we we are way more richer, right? Yeah. And now it's kind of like Ooh, how do you win against? How does the newest generation win against? So, there's, I think there's an element now. Maybe I'm being a bit cruel here. I think there's an element of well, we're going to be the nicest people. That's it. <laughs> I think like, there is. You know what I, mean? I was going to say. I think you're being ge- well. I think yeah. The, the one way of looking at it is we're going to be the nicest people. The other way of looking at it is we're going to be the most morally pure. Pure. Yeah. There's a yeah people. yeah moral like a moral purity. Obviously, this has happened before in other countries and happens in different places. Like uh, you know, the Middle East is, yeah. is a has become a very morally pure place, which it wasn't always. Um, but that's kind of there. So we need to find something for them to win. Because moral purity is yeah, because because that's not going to help anybody. Is oh, it? It'll be horrific. It'd be <laughs> horrific, don't it? It is because humans aren't moral. Like, the, if you if you can't you can censor speech or you can ask for people to behave certain ways, and some of it's good, some of it's whatever. But you can't police what's in here. Like we you, we all have those thoughts. Like we all have those. Like, but I, I always think, look, you you don't want to be oppressed, right? So I think if you look at countries around the world, you got like the, okay, you got the uh, religious moral countries. And they oppress people by everyone then becomes afraid to do anything because yeah. they don't want to do anything wrong. And then the other side of it too is if you have if you've too much capitalism that is out of control where you're too immoral, like greed is good, you know, uh, 
destroy everybody if you're strong enough to defeat someone defeat them yep. and then that becomes oppressive the other way what you really want is somewhere in the middle you know what I mean let's be moral but not too moral let's be mm-hmm. greedy but not too you know you just kind of like if I was a politician but you never win as a politician if you're the person who listen I'm going to try and please everybody yeah. I make none of you happy but no one would be oppressed that's, vote for me that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the real issue with, with, uh, with democracy because like you've got I think you're right that level of um, what do you want to call it Moderation, like that goes back to like Aristotle. That was like his philosophy of like don't be don't don't be an extreme on either end. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to get in the middle. Yeah, which is probably a good way to live your life morally, but it's super unsexy. As hard, a reason it's, to, it's hard to sell. Yeah, it's hard to sell. Yeah, it's very nuanced and intellectual. But and, you probably have a better chance of it with democracy than without democracy. Well, I think it's interesting. It's interesting. Do you not think? Well, like, I think it's. I didn't really realize until like, I don't know, middle of the 1700s, late 1700s, that democracy was a bad word. Right. That it was, that was a substitute for mob rule. That was what people, when people were interrogating political ideas, they were like, oh, democracy is when the mob has control. Right. It's yeah. not about the franchise, you know, having a franchise. It's of, considered about, so a benevolent monarchy is. So that was one way of looking at it. One way of looking at it was if you've got somebody in charge who has the right idea of moderation and then they disseminate that, and I'm here today to stand for <laughs> You know, I, I, I was I was I was such a believer in, in d- democracy, right? I, I used to say to people, you know, when when phone banking first came out, yeah. right? And I was like, look at if we've got the technology that it's safe enough to do phone banking, I think we should have a thing where everybody gets to vote on everything in Parliament. Yeah. So every bill that goes through Parliament, boom. you get to vote. Boom, boom, boom. Like that is total democracy. Yeah. And I used to I used to bore people to death in pubs talking about this for ages and then Brexit happened and I was like oh I don't know <laughs> <laughs> maybe I got that one wrong <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be getting involved in everything because you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the counter argument is like who wants to be a millionaire because on who wants to be a millionaire they ask the audience 70% is right yeah, but that's what the, that, that's why I thought of the idea. That was my kind of defense for the idea that the 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 the, the power of the group does tend to do better. And um, but the, I suppose and and then the, the thing about it is it would nullify. This is the main reason I was thinking about it was it would nullify the media. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know it, it would just be hard, like it, it's if you're look at if you have an oil company and you don't want any green policies. Yeah. If there's only 666 people voting on that, to convince, yeah. it's easier to kind of corrupt them yeah. than 30, 60 million people like. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, the getting the scale to a point where it can influence a decision in the right way is the trick of... Trick, yeah. That's the trick of democracy. They'd still try. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you've got $912 billion to spend, yeah, yeah, that's peanuts, but we can do a couple per million. It's fine. Easy. But yeah, like, and you know, you don't have to vote and everything. You only kind of vote on things that are of interest to you. Like, so like school policy, like I wouldn't, probably wouldn't vote on school policy, but like if I had kids, I'd vote on school policy. Yeah. And health policy, you know, I work in health, so I'd vote on health policy. Make restraining orders. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, it, I think it'd be kind of exciting yeah you know? I, th- I think so I think you'd, you'd, there is an argument that would bring people more into the process and they would feel more um, have more agency over like some of the things yeah they'd happen. feel more involved feel more franchised but on the flip side it could go horribly wrong yeah because then we're not what we're not I think what's been interesting about, last, about the last two years I think is 
it was this unique situation where we had, a, it felt like anyway, we had as much information as the governments. Mm. So I think when you think about things like the Iraq war or any sort of global conflict that's happened in our lifetime, you, we, we might have been against certain things the government did, but it didn't feel like we had all the info. Yeah. Like you believed there was like some dossiers, you believed there was some briefing rooms, you believed there was like people behind the scenes with more knowledge than us. And on this one, it felt like we had as much knowledge as them. And it, it made me wonder about people's ability to understand democracy in that sense. Like, can I just vote on a thing without knowing the ramifications of my actions? Yeah, well, it, well it, there's this thing, you know, I've read this thing about psychology that you, um, if you're asked a difficult question, you, you substitute it in your mind for an easier question. Yeah. So, so it's, it, a lot of it just comes down to who do I like? Yeah. Isn't it? At the end of, like from a personality, like of the people saying this and the people saying that, which people do I So, But it's like if you, if you, to. If you had your little beep, 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 boopy machine and it was like, do you want to vote for kids to get free school meals? Excuse me. See, yeah, that would have been overwhelming. Yeah. And you'd be like, yes, 100%. Yeah. Now, on my little boopy app, does it also tell me that means your taxes will go up by... Okay, yeah, so it gives you the information, yeah. At the same time. Or is that like a, 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 do I find out about that this, later after I... <laughs> this is an incredible society we're creating here. <laughs> but uh, like, do you, you know, it, it just shows you how disingenuous a lot of the democracy talk is. Yeah. That, you know, nobody is, nobody is talking about that. Like, for if America was as pro-democracy mm-hmm. as it pretends to be, yeah. they would, they'd be all over this. Yeah. Like, but it just shows you that that it just shows you that everything's just power, isn't it? Really, at the end, like it's not. Oh, a hundred percent. Like once they pass the um, citizens versus thing, you know, where corporations are classed as citizens. Oh yeah, ridiculous. That's, that's that is over at that point because you because there's no way anybody can run for any level of office, whether it's local or the president, without getting business to support them. Oh, it's impossible now. Yeah, you need the money, and then the the idea that they can't that the, the company is treated as a human being, but you can't put a company in jail. So basically, they 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 just have carte blanche to do whatever they want now. Like, they are untouchable. Yeah. They have become untouchable. Um, yeah, well, what I find really interesting is when the when the narrative is, when, when it suits people to spin a narrative a certain way, it's like Hillary Clinton, for example, always super Wall Streety, always super money focused. But when she was running, she was deified as this, you know, she's going to be amazing. Like, I went to some fundraising events for her. Really? And, oh, yeah. Like, my agency helped raise some money for her. And I remember having a chat with a, one of her strategists. And he, and I said, like, you guys haven't got a line. Like, you haven't got, like, he's got Make America Great Again, which, whether you like it or not, is a brilliant line. It's a line, yeah. Line. Um, you know, work for Reagan, work for him. And I was like, you guys haven't got a thing for people to coalesce around? And he was just like texting, wouldn't we looking? He was like, yeah, you know, like we got a good ground game. We've got like good investment. Like we're going to trump him like three to one in terms of like Wall Street donors. We're going to be fine. And at that moment, I was like, oh, I think they're in real trouble Trouble. because they were basically banking on the whole of the uh, Wall Street infrastructure to back her and not him. Yeah. And then in the end, they ended up splitting their vote. And that was enough. That was enough to like... To do. But he he had he had good financial backing too. He Trump. I mean, he had his own money, obviously. And then, yeah, in the end, he had Peter Thiel. Did Peter Thiel? Give yeah, him money? Uh, was it Peter Thiel? He he ended up with enough big names backing him, where she didn't have an insurmountable amount of money compared to him. Did did she spend more money than him? Yeah. 
Did she? Yeah. But th- normally, I thought there was a thing once that whoever spends the most money always wins. So, so th- that's over now. Well, well, this is the thing, is he got more airtime. So working, oh, working in advertising yeah, yeah. at the time in America was pretty interesting because we, we'd get all the data on like... So he was get he was getting free air. Free he, air he was, Yeah, yeah. So that... But that's in a donation then. Yeah. You could you could say that's like a donation. Well, this is the thing. There's, there's an argument to be made that CNN made the biggest donation to his campaign. Yeah, because yeah. They, they just became obsessed. Became obsessed with him. In the way they're obsessed with Joe Rogan now, it's like that is the thing that's going to get us clicks and views. And they, they, might have air, they actually gave him more airtime than Fox gave him. Because for a long time, Fox were like, he's not a Republican. Yeah, yeah. Now, we want Jeb Bush. We want Marco Rubio. Like, they're our guys. And if you go back to, like, early 2015, Fox does a lot of work to discredit Trump because they think that they need the Republican establishment to keep, you know, funneling money into Fox. Um, and it's only like really towards the end where they start backing him. But CNN covered him so much in the run up to everything. Do you think uh, he? Do you think he get back in? I think he he could give it a go. You know, he's just just set up his own social media platform. Yeah, how's it doing? It's doing uh, tremendously well. <laughs> 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 all these people, I can't. They all these people. They tell me how many people are on there. Uh, he he says it's doing great, and his kids say it's doing great. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Did you ever meet him when you were in? No. No, but I. I one of my brother's friends um, did some property deals with him. Right. Yeah, and he said that there's two Trumps. There's the Trump, well, while the deal's being done, who's like, you're a sweetheart, just like a nice guy, and is like, your golf game's fantastic. And then there's the guy you meet once once the deal's been closed, or like about to be closed, and then he's a, just a cunt. <laughs> I uh, I saw him once at the tennis in, right. in in the US. He was it was bef- well before he was president. It was uh, but it was when the apprentice was was big. Mm. And he was with Kim Kardashian and they were sitting in the front row and they, the cameras went down and you know said look who's here and everyone yeah. everyone <laughs> started clapping. <laughs> and cheering. And uh, but but he, he like you know the, he had there was an aura there like it was it was it was weird like. Yeah. He's got that magnetism. He's got the magnetism, yeah, yeah. That, that For was, sure. That was there. Have, have you seen the Shane, the Shane Gillis joke about uh, Trump? No. Oh, it's great. Shane Gillis' last special. I w- I've watched the special, so maybe I have seen it. I think it's called In Austin or something. Anyway, the basic gist of it is like all these people are doing presidential debates the way you, you're supposed to. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm going to talk about healthcare. Well, I'm going to talk about education. He's just like, Ted's wife's a fat pig. <laughs> <laughs> you can see all the other politicians look at him yeah. like, are we allowed to do that? Because <laughs> I would have done that. I also think she's fat. I would have. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. He, yeah, and, and I think he says it on that. Like he is funny. Mm. Like he is. He's just so dangerous. Yeah, and he's and he's he has eroded, you know, standards and completely. trust and trust in institutions. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. done horrific things that might you know America might never recover from, or it might take a generation to recover from. Hundred percent. But um, I think when you had. A the other thing as well was interesting about America at that time. Obviously, they're coming off the Barack Obama years, so the country was doing good. Like they had recovered from two thousand and eight. Um, they just passed the gay marriage law had passed. Um, the economy was doing well. There's a from living there that there was a general sense of optimism. Right. It didn't feel like the country could be fucked up too much. And I think the biggest thing that was starting to happen was people in the middle of the country being told they were bad people a lot, all the yeah, time. Yeah, that, that happens here to a lesser extent, but yeah. th- there's nothing to be gained by telling people they're like, no. by patronizing people like that. No, especially when it's very real. Like um, 
there's an economist, I want to forget his name, but he's got his theory called the donut-shaped economy. Oh, yeah, yeah, but it's a woman. Is it? The right, do- yeah, yeah. Donut economics. Yeah, they can do economics too. <laughs> I, 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 um, when I was on radio before, I, I went to, I, I messaged her to interview her. All oh, right. And, um, she couldn't show up for the interview. So she mm. sent me a, a free copy of the book. And it's, it's genius. It, like, so it's the donut that basically the first line is what everybody needs to live a, a dignified life. Yeah. And then the second line is the, the realms we need to stay within not to destroy the planet. Yeah. And, um, I read actually, it was really interesting after the, Pandemic. When the pandemic started, mm. uh, a lot of people realised they were going to have to redesign. It, it would be a good opportunity to redesign your economy because you're going to have to shut your economy. Yeah. And um, I heard that the city of Amsterdam hired her as a consultant. Really? And that they are going to try and incorporate donut economics into the running of their city. Yeah, right. Which think, is quite exciting. Yeah, I think, I think we've got to look at different models like that because uh, the, the, I think the, only, the interesting thing about that model was it also it serves as a good um, metaphor for what's actually happened to America's economy as well. Where if you think about the coasts of America, like there's so much affluence on the West and East Coast, and in the middle of the country is just like nothing. Yeah, so they've 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 broken both lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're completely <laughs> polluting everything <laughs> and they've left loads of people without dignity. I mean, I, w- I went and did focus groups for a campaign. I went and did a focus group in Cleveland. It was like something out of a horror film. Yeah. And like, it no- it's nothing, it's obviously nothing to do with the people of Cleveland or anything like that, but like, half the streets just shut, just like derelict everything and these people in these focus groups were so unhappy. On a day. I, I, I have a friend who's a journalist who went and he, he covered one of the elections um, in America and he, he drove around and he mm. said the small towns in America are like apocalyptic. It's bleak. Like he said, he said, um, like he said, the opium and the heroin addiction was unbelievable. Yeah. And he said, like, these should be nice places to live and would have been nice places to live. And they're just like, yeah, you know, like going to an out of town one of my clients was in South Carolina and going to like an out of town shopping mall and just seeing people basically just pretty openly scoring heroin and fentanyl in parking lots yeah, yeah. and stuff because they'd been on opioids, been prescribed opioids. Have, have you ever seen any of these clinics that were just set up just to... Yeah, I watched some of the doc- documentaries like this. They open at night time. Yeah. <laughs> doctor. Like a, like a fucking for, club. You queue up for the doctor at night time. But the other thing about it too is it's they're depressing drugs. Like it's not like, do you know what I mean? It's not like... It's not, like, not like coke. No, no, but it's not like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not like everybody's going rave in like the early 90s or do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing joyful about this. Nah. Like this is this is miserable drug taking. It's like, drugs of escape, yeah. This is, it's, it's just, there's no hedonism here. This is just misery. Like it's yeah. absolute misery. Like. It's, it's really interesting because if you think about the states where it's all like heroin and opioids, then you've got other states where it's weed. Yeah. And like weed is a drug of like, inc- it's like happy and inclusive social. and social. social yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's a good barometer, I think, for how states are doing. <laughs> <laughs> is this a weed or an opium state? <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer red and blue states. It's, 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 <laughs> it's weed. It's weed or heroin. <laughs> weed or heroin. Oh, oh, you live in a heroin state. <laughs> yeah. like, you no longer fly over. You're just like, are you a syringe-based economy or are you more of a... I'll tell you what is quite funny. Um, uh my girlfriend Erica is in Mexico at the minute, from mm. Mexico, and she was saying she's from Tijuana near 
very near California. Mm. She and she hadn't been back for a few years. Yeah, and she said like she's gone back this time, and she said there's loads of Americans now living in Mexico to retire or to commute into California because the housing prices in California yeah. are so Crazy. so expensive. And she said there's a part of the city where she went the other day it was all American flags, Starbucks and no one spoke Spanish. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you're allowed to complain about that. You yeah. Know I mean? <laughs> yeah, when he when he coming back, sweetheart, nice to see you again. But it's, I just, you know what, but I think it's always been a thing like um, you know, America's been around for 200 years. I think the whole rest of the world is always looking at America in yeah. a fearful way and it's sort of always just sorts itself out, does it? Or? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be interesting for them in the next couple of years because they uh, there's a big news story over there about the uh, that young lady, uh, I'm going to forget her first name, uh, thingy goo who um, chose to race for China, downhill skier. She chose to race for China. Okay, go in on. The, in the I don't know uh, this story. In, in, the, in the winter, she was born in America, raised in America, of Chinese descent. Sent. Chose to race for for China. China. Originally said the reason I'm doing this is because it embraces my heritage. It subsequently um, comes to light that she's been given a forty million dollar endorsement deal. With China, yeah, to do to work for like brands in China and be the face of certain products, and they've sort of guaranteed her that kind of money. And I think that has rubbed or given Americans something for uh, cause for pause. I think because they're that like, they're no longer number one. Yeah. It's no longer, yeah, yeah. So it's now, if someone has the option between China and America, they might choose China. Yeah, but I, I recently watched the thing about China and um, about how the Communist Party believed that if you are of Chinese heritage yeah. and you live anywhere in the world they can tap you up to help them and they expect you yeah. to help them yeah 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 so did you, so you think it, I, I suppose China's been getting there for a long time but do you think they're getting well I think they're, they're it's going to be interesting because they what they haven't got yet is a product that they can export to the rest of the world like freedom's a very good product export yeah. product and like the attractiveness of freedom in places where they didn't have it was a very useful product. So, so what, what are they gonna? What are they gonna sell us? Like, what, are they, what are they gonna sell us? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I was thinking of this bit the other day. I haven't tried it yet, so I don't know if it will work on stage. But I was thinking, you know, like everyone goes on about the British um, or the British uh, Museum and like in France and Germany yeah. and all the stuff they robbed from Africa, like yeah. the artifacts yeah. and the artworks and everything. And the, the idea for the bit was that I think they should give it back. Mm-hmm. Give the Chinese a chance to take it, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because like, because what, what they're doing is they're basically going to these countries and get building stuff for them, lending them money so they can build the stuff for them. Yeah, and then they're getting them in debt, really. Yeah, and then well, then you know if you owe someone a lot of money, then you're kind on their side. Yeah, it's like a it's like a mafia trick. It's my mafia trick. But they, uh, did you see like they're doing a big time in Australia? Really? The Chinese, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're infiltrating universities. Like, they're really... Um, like, they're, they're trying to sabotage us all. This is now a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> we're now just fully but like, down the rabbit hole. They're not even secret about it. Did you read Obama's book, like, about where he, he said he went over to China and... Um, the, his delegate, he, he has his delegation or yeah. whatever. And two guys forgot something in their hotel room. Right. So they went back up, and when they went into the room, there was two Chinese guys in the room, just rooting through everything in the room, 
and they they just didn't make eye contact with them and walks her out. So like they're not really pretending. Like if yeah, if you asked, if you met the Chinese president and said, "Listen, are you trying to bring down?" Every other powerful country, so you'd be going, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's why the, the Ukraine thing's interesting at the minute because you wonder if uh, Russia and China how much are in yeah, 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 they, they, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting because there's a party of the kind of things. Maybe they're not. Yeah, and that Putin sort of pretends they because. It's it's how much benefit is Russia to China? That's what I always kind of think. Oh, they'd be they'd be the little brother of that relationship. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent, yeah. And and I don't think Russia would like to be anyone's little brother. No. Like I think it would be a difficult. Like it, it would you just kind of think the Chinese would sort of if I was okay if I'm president of China and I'm trying to take over the world. Like I, I'd want my junior partners mm. to be Support. obedient, yeah. disciplined. <laughs> you just think these Russian guys like they're not gonna be. No. You couldn't trust him, could you? Especially not him. No, especially not him. He's like, not going to do what you tell him to no, do. I mean, be, he's like your liability. He'd be a complete liability to yeah, you. Yeah, he's not your younger brother. He's like your drunk uncle. At the, yeah, at yeah, the yeah, party. yeah. He'd be walking around thinking he's bigger than you. And you'd be like, dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're five foot six, Uncle De- Uncle Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting to know. But they, they, from media and propaganda, like, they're they're everywhere now. Yeah. Um, but I'd imagine some countries are going to fall under their spell aren't they yeah I mean if well, like you mentioned the Belt and Road thing in Africa that's been a huge part of it I think I think the American universities are going to be an interesting thing to watch with Cause that because they, they, they're 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 They've said that too. They're yeah. they're in all the universities. Have you seen that thing recently now where where Britain is now going to be a little bit more stringent on who they let into university? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, who's the guy who said he was he was going to run to replace Boris? He put his name straight in the hat. He's ex-military. Can't think of his name. Yeah, go on. Doesn't matter. But he he uh, yeah saw him in a documentary. And he's saying that like basically there was. There's guys from China, they've got a massive military university mm. in China. Mm. And there's guys from China who've gone to this university. Yeah. And then they've gone and done a PhD in Oxford. Yeah. And they're basically over to try and steal information and research. And then they go back to work in the military university of China. Like, yeah. And again, they, they haven't been doing this in a hidden way either. And, and suddenly everyone's like, well, maybe we can't have the and and the other thing too, the the, the quantum is it quantum physics? Physics, yeah. There's yeah. quantum 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 computing. Is that it? <laughs> the, 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 the faster computer quantum computing, I think yeah. it is. That like the, 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 we're on the verge of these computers that are just so much can process information so much quicker. Mm. And the China is really pushing to get this because they believe if they get there first, that will give them the upper hand yeah. militarily. Yeah, which is. Like, like I say, it's not hidden. It's out in the open. It's out in the open. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it, arguably, they're saying, "Well, we're playing by your rules. We're competing. Yeah, you know, you charge students a certain price to be at this university. We're we're paying it. So, in, I think that's what's really interesting about them is they've found. It's almost like uh, have you ever read the Art of War? Yeah, I've read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, the one thing, the thing about using your enemy's greatest strengths as a weakness. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they're doing. And capitalism's fatal flaw is its openness. Openness and its and its greed. Inability to say no to money. Yeah. <laughs> So which is which is what happens? I think. Think about you're a university bursar, right? You're like, well, I'm not 
causing the I'm not causing a strategic gap in Western, you know, whatever security by allowing this person to do this. I'm just accepting a load of money for yeah. a student who wants to study. And and at the same time, you've got your government saying, listen, we can't give you any more funding. If you want to be viable, you need to be viable in the market. So you need to get money from somewhere. And the only people who are coming to give you that money are, are the Chinese government. There was a, well, there was a woman recently caught in, in Britain mm. who was donating money to British politicians yeah. and she was direct they found out she was directly linked right. to the Communist Party so she but it, it, it's happened a few times in Australia it's, I think yeah. it's been happening a lot more in Australia yeah um, yeah, yeah it's, 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 so that you think that might sort America out the, well, an enemy an enemy I that's what America needs is a, is a yeah I, th- I think if they had you know if they, if they had an ideological counterpart that they could I think go after in a more meaningful way I think that would help their country Come together. Come together. Yeah, makes sense. Because at the minute, I don't know if there was a stat pretty recently, actually. Both Republicans and Democrats think the biggest threat to America is other Americans. Really? And that's the first time that's ever happened since they started yeah, yeah. like 100 years of polling. Um, and, it, and that would traditionally have been, you know, something. R- Russia or something. Yeah, you know, domestic terror. Lot or to be, yeah, a lot to be said to having a, an enemy to yeah. sort yourself out. Well, that's what like. Reagan said the way to get world peace would be to get. An invasion from space. From aliens. Yeah. Which is where um who's your man who wrote The Watchmen? Uh oh God, what's his name? Moore, is it Moore? Yeah, Alan Moore. Yeah. yeah. Um that's where he got the idea from for for Watchmen. From for, that. For like that big squid that invades and um spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read a forty year old comic, but yeah, so that's what that big squid invades is kinda of like that Reagan idea of that would bring the world together. Together, it's artificial. It would though. Yeah. To be fair, it would bring everyone together. But I've, I've always wondered if you did get attacked from hmm. outer space, like why do we presume that they are more advanced than we are? Well, the, the, the isn't it Hawkins said that because if they can find us, yeah, then they have to have better technology because we can't find them. Which makes sense. Hmm. But what if they're just going to travel? Like yeah, just like a one-trick pony. Yeah, they like, just happen to be good at this yeah. one thing. Like Enterprise rent a car doesn't have guns. Yeah, but I think I. I don't know. But what do you think if we did find... Imagine if we found a planet now, a parallel planet to this planet, and we thought, and we were like... Imagine we found another planet Earth, right? Yeah. Same resources. And there's like 100 million people on it. Right. Right. And they're living very differently to us. And we saw that and we realised we've got the better equipment, technology, everything... They haven't been using a lot of their resources. Yeah. We could wipe them out. Uh, that'd be... Yeah, I think the British Museum's going to get a new window. <laughs> 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 like that, that'd that be... Jesus, you'd really see what people were like then. And then, how, I mean? and then how would we tell ourselves that story? Oh, yeah, we'd have to make up some nonsense. Yeah. Like, but ba- can you imagine? Like, everybody, even nice people would be like... Yeah, you know. Yeah, we'd have to. We'd either have to do the thing of like, oh, they're a threat. You have we'd to, have like, to pretend that they were have to a pretend threat. they were a threat, or you would have to make things so dire here that it is like an us or them. Us or them, yeah, yeah. Situation. Oh God, that'd be something else, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Because like, what you've learned from human history is like, weren't our empathy is not great beyond no. like your immediate family. <laughs> Yeah, and even though it's not that good in the family. Like <laughs> I, I, I see you've met my father. Yeah, good. 
Yeah. Like, how long? How long do you think it would take us to discover that planet to decide? Fuck them. Let's take the resources. Two, uh, hmm. Two days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say inside a week. In inside a well, take, well, put it this way: inside a week, someone's going to mention it for the first time in a room somewhere. In a room, okay. So like you're, you know, you're in the you're in the what do they call that bunker in the White House, the, uh, si the Situation Room. You've been in the Situation Room a week in, and someone's like, uh, "So, uh, just want to spitball something here <laughs> on uh, this planet. Seems to have a lot of uh, resources. They don't seem to be using them all." And uh, I don't know if we wanted to walk in there and uh, take it, take some of it. What do you think? Be like a race. Yeah. To get there. So China would go to Russia, ring them up and tell them, <laughs> if you don't take it, we will. <laughs> but uh, China be already going there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean, mate? I'm halfway there. <laughs> but, oh, that's the other interesting thing is like, what if by that point, Bezos and Musk are the ones with the best Space technology. They have the rockets. And then what do they do? Do they, if China says we will come to you with, you know, a forty billion dollar offer to take us there? Okay, so you got Basil, you got Musk. Who else is doing Branson. well? Branson. He's not in the game. <laughs> right. So you got Musk, you got Basil. Who would be more likely to defect to China? Out of those two, do you think? Well, I think because Musk, he's more unpredictable. He's more unpredictable, and. But he, okay, so Musk has got factories in America. He's been big on moving factories back to America. He's a bit more loyal, is he? But he's not actually American. He's, he's actually, South African. He's actually South African. South and he, he grew up in Canada, did he? Yeah. So he's so he's sort of a world citizen. He's been all over the world, and uh, gave his no daughter an interest. What's, it, what's his daughter? Isn't his daughter's name just like uh, dots and feathers or something? Pie or something. Pie. Yeah. <laughs> so like he seems like a kooky guy. He seems like he's out there a bit more. Bezos seems a bit more. You know, he's from Seattle. He's of America. I think I think Musk. I think Musk would be more likely you, to go. You think so? Yeah. What do you reckon? I don't know. I I think Bezos. I don't know. I think Musk because like I suppose like has Musk really done much dealing in China? He seems very. He seems a bit more western. Like yeah. You know what I mean? They must sell a lot. To, but I know what you mean. Bezos is the more ruthless one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I reckon on that level. If it's just a choice of like who's got the most cash, he I think he would go. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's running a company where people are pissing in bags to make deliveries. He doesn't seem to have that big of a moral. No, no, he has, he has no scruples. No. Nah. Is Amazon in China? No. No, no it's Tmall. No. Um, Tmall is the, yeah. the equivalent of it. Yeah, or Alibaba. Well, that, yeah, yeah. The Alibaba sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that'd be another thing. I'd be like, his way into China. He's like, this is, this is, this is my this access. This is his chance. This is my it. access point. He's like, yeah, I will take you to space if you get rid of Jack Ma and the Alibaba um, system. Bring I'll, Amazon in. I'll bring, I'll bring it to space. Yeah. What do you think it is? Um, thing that they're doing where they're trying to live longer. You aware of that? What, I mean, like rich folk? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't there going to be like a huge problem with depopulation? Isn't that a, a big thing that's starting to be talked about? It's like as rich countries, start, people are starting having fewer and fewer kids. Yeah. And older people just live in. Longer. Longer. You just get depopulation and then all of a sudden you're like, we haven't got anyone to do any work. We haven't got anyone to... Well, they, they say this is China's big difficulty. Right. Because... The solution to it is you bring in foreign people mm. like that. And, that. and that's basically what Europe has been doing. Yeah. So France, Germany, Britain are very much, they, I think they're ahead of the curve on this. Mm. America has always been bringing in people. Um, but China, they said it, it's, it's going to happen in China where they're going to have a huge retired um, population. Right. 
not enough young people working to support that population. But they don't. But bringing in young foreign people isn't really an option for China. Right. So they think what China is going to do is extend the retirement uh, age. Right. Yeah, and that that could then become everyone will start doing it. Jesus. You, but you do know that the retirement age now, what is it, 60, like yeah. when it came about, most people didn't live that long. Yeah. So it it wasn't meant to be. It was more like if you make it to that, yeah, yeah. have some it's time It's meant off. to be like, it's like Squid Games. You fucking, <laughs> you know what I mean? You won, here you go, we're going to give you free money till you die. It wasn't meant for everybody. <laughs> it wasn't meant for the retirement life chose me. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? It was like, Jesus. Do you know what I mean? They, they brought it in, the first guy makes it 66 from the factory, they're shaking his hand, he meets the queen. There you are, you can give free money till you die. Brilliant stuff. On Wednesday. And, see that on Wednesday. and then another guy comes, another guy. Then the next thing you're like, there's a thousand. Where the fuck? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> but you feel that. Because every, every year the announcement goes up, doesn't it? Yeah. It, like, you know, I deal with a lot of old people in my job. Like, oh, man. Some of these lives, though. Mm. Very immobile. Yeah. Not really doing anything. Yeah. I, have a, I had a guy I was talking to one time at work. Um, 95. Right. Retired when he was 60. What? Yeah. And he said to me, he said he if he had known he was going to live for another 35 years, he wouldn't have retired. Nah, it, it, it terrifies me, the idea of just having like, I've watched my, it happened to my dad, just like nothing, just doing nothing. Yeah. For years and years and years. And like, you'd much rather think I'd, I'd like to be doing something. Like, right to something, until, yeah. Yeah, right up until the end. Squid Games, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> 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 yeah, how do you, what do you, I suppose it's part-time work, I think, is yeah. part-time to work, the answer. Although, if you were, so if you were, so if these guys are living longer, are they going to be younger for longer? Well, it's, a, this, this is, well, this is, look, it, it depends on, I, th I think a lot of these tech guys, they just want to live forever. Yeah. I don't, they, 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 when they talk about it, they say that they're, they want to make everyone's lives better, yeah. but it, it, it's about them, it's not really about us, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Um, but like Peter, T I mean Peter T. Like, <laughs> so you know, was it like death and illness is just like a, a disease, a, tr a treatable uh, disease? What is it like is is a fault in the system? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it can just be fixed. Um, it'll be very like it's one of these. Th there's not many things that happen in the world that I think that could happen, but to me is just unimaginable. Yeah, like, but this is like if if. I'll be absolutely gobsmacked if people start living to 150 in my lifetime. Mm. I'd be like, Jesus, good, like. But what if it's like just 10 of them? It's like just these 10 <laughs> billionaires. <laughs> this is where I feel, you know, like if you, you ever listen to like old Alex Jones things like, you, you know, it was like, oh, the globalists, they want to live in a hive mind being. Yeah. You're like, no, they do. They do, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, 10 yeah. Of them, like 10 of them absolutely do. 100%. And they just keep, like they're completely protected. Yeah. In a bubble, like the bubble boy out of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. And we're all George. <laughs> Everyone's George. And they're, they're, they're running the world from their bubble. Because if you had that much money, because you're, well, you're above, um, especially with, when you have like, you know, Western style capitalism, you're above scruples because you have all the cash. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You can get out of any situation. You're above government. You're above everything. You're a god, really. Yeah. You're a master of the universe. Yeah, 100%. You're a master of the bit of the universe we can like interact with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, the the other side of it is I was thinking like, you know if I had 183 billion I'd want to I'd want to live forever wouldn't I 
Yeah, of course. To be honest, I I've no money and I want to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I I would definitely. It, it was a weird one. I was reading about it and I I started asking everyone at work if you could live forever, would you? Everybody no straight away. Really? No. Yeah, no. And then I said, what about an extra fifty to hundred years? Most of them were like, no, I couldn't believe that. Oh, I th- I, that's a great question. It's a great follow-up because I think I would rather have an extra 50 to 100 yeah. rather than living forever. Because I think living forever is as um, as daunting mentally for me anyway as death because you're like, it's just going to go on and on. But and you on. did not enjoy life. Yeah. But I think if you, all right, if you live forever and you could set some parameters so that your body isn't going to denigrate. Yeah. You're going to be able to have a similar level of well, the, the, like the possibility of living to ever. But I, I always kind of think like, if it gets bad, you know what I mean. You can still you can cash your chips in. You, yeah, you got. <laughs> that was a Hunter S. Thompson thing. You know, Do you remember? Oh, go on. He, he said, "Well, Hunter S. Thompson." That, he said the biggest difference between his generation and his parents' generation was because they were because they didn't have God. Mm. Um, that if it ever got too much, they could just kill themselves. And he he did kill himself yeah. then. So he he said that gave great freedom. Mm. So yeah. I think you've always got the choice to... Just to like cash it in. Cash it in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, over and out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because the other side of it is I wonder if you'd be as motivated to do stuff. Like if you knew you had... You know, I'm a procrastinator at the best of times. Oh, are you? Yeah, so if I knew I had forever... <laughs> Uh, oh, like, oh, that might be. Like, I'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. another millennia to figure this out. Well, I don't think I'd live. I don't think I'd do anything that differently now, to be honest. You reckon? No. You just keep carrying on. Yeah. 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 No, I think. Um, I think I would like to believe I would, but I. I wonder if I would waste more time. Waste more time. Yeah, but it's tricky. But you need. I don't know. I I never have time to because uh, you need you'd still need to work to get money to do the things you want to do. Mm. Like you know, the, like you're not unless you're really rich. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a bad combo. If you're a billionaire and lived forever, that might be a bad combo. Although I wonder how long it would take you to spend. Like you know, you sometimes, you sometimes see those graphs of like uh, yeah, how long it would take you to spend the money. Yeah, yeah. So the th- money keeps making money. Your man says it. Uh, what's his name? Yuval. No, I'm probably saying it wrong. The guy who wrote *Sapiens*. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he talks about that it'll create a lot of tension because if we if if we start to see the rich people living a lot longer than mm-hmm. us, the jealousy will become overwhelming. Yeah, well, then you're in a brave new world. Yeah, yeah. That it it'll be too much. Like we can kind of tolerate the inequality and them have a much better lives than us. Because that kind, that and illness sort of equalizes, yeah. equalizes us a little bit. Yeah, everyone's equal in the graveyard, sort of. Everyone's equal in the graveyard, yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the the different. It, it would it would definitely change things because it's it's, it's a big psychological. Well, like you were saying right at the start, if China started doing it first before anybody else, mm. and if you're an American billionaire, like wouldn't you be like I want to go there? So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they have. This technology that enables well, that's the quantum computing. That's how they're gonna. That's how they're gonna take over the. <laughs> <laughs> this imagine if you're like one burst at Oxford, who's made that decision. You're like, oh, oh man, <laughs> I've changed world politics to 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 live longer. But yeah, but uh, but the other side of it too is, I think if you know if if you're just gonna be watching telly, yeah, and and taking fucking tramadol. 
I don't want to live longer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> At least get some good drugs in. <laughs> but, you know, but that's, that's what people are doing. But, but yeah, so this guy, 95, retired at 60. And he he said to me he couldn't, couldn't believe he lived for another 35 years. He 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 said it was yeah. by far the worst decision he ever made. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, he, 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 because they're not the years where you're going to have, you know, the most... That's why I think about enjoying your life now in the moment. Because this is when you've got the energy. Yeah, yeah. This is when you can actually get out and do shit and, like, you know, have fun rather than just being, like, sat at home until it all goes, all goes away. Yeah, definitely. Ah, definitely. Live live while you're young rather than, like, you know, some people... I know some people who do this. They, they, their whole kind of thing is they, they, they do everything quite early and, and they work hard and they're, they're saving all their money to, like, travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun too, but it's not going to be the same. No, it's not. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I know how I know how much more... Like, when I was, like, you know, in my 20s going traveling or whatever, I'm sure you're the same. You could like, subsist in a level of... Oh, cheap. That you couldn't... Not you couldn't deal with now, but you'd be less inclined to deal with now. Yeah, it'd be harder too, like... I mean, I remember, like, the first place we stayed in Thailand, I, it was, like, a an outdoor area that just had, like, a wickery-type covering... And like rats ran across our like, feet and stuff. Oh Jesus! Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, and it was like fifty p a night, and we just thought like, eh, that's that's it. That like, didn't bother you. I think I thought it was all part of it. I also felt like I didn't want to complain. I was like, who am I to complain? You know, oh, rat, rats and mice terrify me. Yeah, like in the in the in the room with me. Like if I if I saw a mouse in my house, which I have, <laughs> <laughs> like. I could be there four months later. I could be falling asleep, and then suddenly I would just decide it's in the room. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, they haunt me. <laughs> I don't know how did it. And and actually, if you if you face up to them in reality, there's nothing frightening about them at all. Yeah. But they isn't that strange? How that that object they're they, tiny and they, they can't psychologically hurt? defeat me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they do. They yeah. Conor McGregor me. Yeah. They, they Ali Muhammad Ali Conor McGregor me. They they just I don't know how to do it. Like they're psychologically yeah. So good. Even though they're tiny. Even though they're tiny. Much like Conor McGregor. And it, it, did you, like the rats in New York? Oh, rats in New York. Oh, unreal. Man. So like, you'd be, I remember one of the first nights I was there, I was like happy to, to have moved there and I was out for a run in the East Village and there's a big pile of trash and three rats as I was running just oh. came scur- and my feet like landed in between. It's like going to be in the Matrix, like trying to dodge these three rats. And then it, every, whenever you ran down near the water, down near the Williamsburg Bridge, um, in Alphabet City, you just like hordes of them at nighttime. Just mm. hordes of them would come out, scurry up and down the street. And then occasionally you'd see like a really sick one, and you're like, Ugh. oh, it's, it's, I, I remember a few. I, I was there when I was 21, and I'd be walking home after nights out like five, six a.m., and it'd be getting bright, mm. and you just there'd be Blood. rats walking beside you. Yeah. Oh, Ugh. Jesus. Worst, worst thing is when one gets on the, on the subway car. Oh, get to it. Oh, oh yeah. I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when one gets on the subway car and then people are like, ah, and you just, well, for a start, it's You ter- stand on the seat. Yeah, Everyone just 100%. Stand on the seat. Oh, you, yeah, exactly. It was terrifying at the start because you have your headphones in, obviously, and you just hear people screaming at the end of the subway. Like, this is New York. This could be anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you turn and then you see this like little ferrety thing just like scurrying through the carriage and it oh, runs up towards you. Oh, my God. And obviously, it just wants to get out, but you're in between stops and you're just desperate to get to the next station. Yep. Oh man, no one would kick it or crush it. That that'd no. be that'd be it'd, be it'd be bad. But you just always think, Jesus, someone yeah. might, you know. Well, I think you'd you'd want it to be over quickly. You wouldn't want someone to like kick it and half kill it. 
Yeah, yeah. And then you've got like a world. dying, and yeah. you've got to live with, live with the morality of <laughs> inside I, I, of my own. <laughs> I had a, in, <laughs> I, I once had at work a, a half dead uh, mouse. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what happened to the mouse, but basically I found a mouse at work and it was like only one of its legs was working. So it was trying to leave, but it was just going around in circles. And I, I basically, I got, I pick, picked it up with like a brush pan mm. and brought it out and left it on the street. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> just like nature take its course. Yeah, like what you meant to do. Like, it, but it was, it was, it was weird. Like, because it was just, it just, it was just going around in circles. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what happened. But... Nah. The, the... Huh? It owed other mice money. <laughs> 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 You got money for cheese. I got money for me. <laughs> yeah. Now the the weird, horrible, horrible little creatures, and the, the the straight the hardest thing would be like when they got inside buildings and stuff. Like in our in our building, it was like a walk up apartment, and occasionally someone in a late night pizza box, you know, leave it in the sort of entrance area, and you don't know how they get in there, but they get in there. Yeah, yeah. And then you just see this little rat scurrying around in the entrance but, area of your apartment. Why is there so many in New? Someone told me when I was in New York that what happens is that the the waste removal companies yeah. basically blackmail the city. The whole city's a ransom. Is, it, is that what happened? 100%. Because when I was there, there was, I think there was four or five weeks where no rubbish was picked up. Yeah. And it absolutely stank. So when I was, I was living there at the start of the pandemic and it was hard for public services to get out and they, they, they wanted like PPE and stuff, understandably, to get out and do their jobs. And it just stacked up and stacked up and stacked up and stacked up. And it was like something out of an apocalyptic movie. Yeah. Just like you say, the stench... It doesn't smell great at the best times, but like the stench and then just the amount of rats oh. just everywhere. Um, just really, really so you, horrible. So you were in New York for the start of the pandemic? Oh, yeah. Hollywood yeah. stuff. Mate, it was... So you're in like a 200... Probably the size of this room, like tiny apartment. That And you know yourself, those apartments are meant to be a crash pad in between being out at bars and restaurants and doing, you know stand-up clubs and whatever. And being trapped in it for four months was <sighs> wild. Wild and the, the first month it was like something out of I Am Legend. Yeah, like I walked into Times Square and there was just no one, and some of the ad, ad hoardings had turned off, and it just felt really spooky. And then you, you know, there's still um, homeless people, there's still like people who are wandering around the city, and it had this really strange air uh, movie feel. Yeah, no one would come meet because at the start everyone was like. As as it went on, people figured out where they were with it, how you know what they were willing to do, not do. But at the start, I think most people were a bit like, "Oh, I don't want to see people," and that was hard. Like not having any family there or anything. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you couldn't even get your best friends to come meet you for a walk in the park. Jesus, that's tough, man. So you're just like stuck in this little room. I was in New York for the blackout. Oh, the Hurricane Sandy. Uh, no, I don't know if it was the Hurricane. It was no, it's something happened in Niagara Falls. Oh, okay. It was the year after 9-11. Something happened in Niagara Falls and, and there's a big power station mm. and five states in America all lost power for like, I think 12 hours. Right. But I was working in a bar in Times Square in New York and the subways weren't working and the lights were all off and everyone just, people started congregating around Times Square just sitting on the footpath mm. and it, ju- it just looked like a movie. Yeah. It was amazing. It was just, it was amazing. And and because it was just after it was year after nine eleven, a lot of people thought it was another attack. Of course, yeah. Yeah, 
And uh, I was 21. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> well, I, I think just so many films are set in New York. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when yeah. big things happen there and you're there, it does feel. It like feels like it. Like yeah, yeah. Set. It does. It does feel like a movie. Yeah. And just the way everyone was reacting and everything, like they, everyone in New York acts like it is the center of the universe. Yeah. Which. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it, kind of, it is to an extent, yeah. but like nowhere is the scent. But that, but that's how everyone behaves, like yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I think I don't know what the what it was like in the blackout, but during the first couple of months of COVID, people people figured it out. It's like you know, restaurants were shut, bars were shut. At one point, they're going to shut the bridges into Manhattan. That was pretty wild because wow. you mean like I'm not going to get any, you know, where I'm going to get my food from and stuff. But it, after about three weeks, I would say, local bars and coffee shops started figuring out a system. It was like prohibition. Yeah. So you weren't allowed to serve booze, but coffee shops were allowed to be open. So my local coffee shop started putting whiskey in coffee. Like if you just tip them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like having a prohibition bar because of the weird times. That's the capitalism. That's the American capitalism yeah. I like. It is. That's, <laughs> that's the pure form of American capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I used to walk by a guy in New York every day selling umbrellas. Yeah. And he used to say, $3 an umbrella, buy them now because when it rains, they're $10. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I, used to, I used to think that was brilliant. Yeah. That's like, that's like, it's kind of a, a rom that's a romantic capitalism. It is, yeah, like an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. Just, just a guy. Yeah, there was a guy, very, really quickly people started selling hand sanitizer. Yeah, on the streets. On yeah. the streets. And, it's, and it was funny because there was like a couple of them on my block. And we're like, don't get it from that guy. That guy's making his beer tub. I get my stuff from New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my cousin, no, but I swear to God, my cousin has a place in a factory. I get it straight, Purell, straight from the Purell factory. <laughs> this guy, I don't know, this this guy's making it in his tub at home. You don't want to fuck with that shit. All right? I love I loved New York. I love the way they all talk to you. It's oh, yeah. Of, it's quite weird. It's quite disconcerting when you first go over. You don't realize. Yeah. I used to go to the bank to lodge money every day. Mm. And you go into the bank, they all start talking to you in the bank. Yeah. Fucking weird. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's the guy from the bar. You want to get your cocktail? Bring us in a cocktail. But is, is, that, is, that, is that not a bit of that in Ireland or not really? Because British people are very like, mm. you have a chat, but yeah. no one kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not, a little bit like. Yeah. Ireland and England are very similar. Like, there'd be a bit of chatting, but not, mm. not a lot of talking to people you don't know. Cause you, you, the bar you worked at, did you have that set up where people come sit at the bar? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I think that's a great one for conversation between strangers. It is, yeah, you yeah. Just like randomly sat next to somebody and then all, in, this never happened in England or Ireland, I guess, but in New York, people just like lean over and like, hey buddy, like, what are you it, drinking? It it, it, it it can happen here and it does happen here, but I think it, can, like, you can go into a bar and you can get talking to people in the bar you don't know, but I think it's harder to go to a bar here with the idea I'm going to go to a bar on my own and I'm going to chat to people whereas you can go to any bar in New York yeah. on your own and yeah. chat to people like it's, it's set up for that yeah in but, many ways like, like a single British guy that was like if you rather like rather than using apps which got a bit you know it'd be boring after a while you could just go do that yeah, yeah. Just go yeah. sit in a bar and just talk a bit loudly at the bar, and and people will talk to you. But also, you tip them, and the the the, the bar staff are, you know, there, there's a when you're tipping well, like because I worked, but you you do entertain the people a little bit. Yeah. You do kind of match people up and stuff like that. You'd have amazing conversations because you do get in, you do end up talking to people you wouldn't. Hundred percent. Normally talk to. Did you ever have to talk to somebody who you did not you, like? You got into a conversation and they were like, they said something that you didn't agree with. Oh man, controversial, this, and you just uh, went with it. I I was there. The year after the first time I went, I went. I spent a whole summer there. The year after nine eleven, working. So I had a lot of guys mm. who were in the army. 
right? Who were you know the 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 war it must have been Afghanistan war, maybe both wars had started by then. But so there, there was a you'd have guys who were just back tour duty doing a week mm. in New York before they went back to wherever they're from. Um, so there was a lot of yeah, yeah a lot of war talk. Um, <laughs> I remember too, like the, the you know. Bush was on his anti, you know, war on terror. I remember a few times people started having a go at us saying, you know, um, that I, we were Irish and we were pro IRA and stuff mm. like that. And, and uh, I remember one night an, an American guy having to intervene and saying he had been to Ireland and not everyone was pro IRA. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God. Yeah. Like, like this guy was like, you know, he was huge and he's he's <laughs> properly having a go at me. Like, like, In fact, the whole reason we have a conflict is that some of us aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually part of it. <laughs> and the other thing, I, I had some funny, funny stuff. Like I used to go to this bar, that uh, an Irish bar. It was a guy from Ireland and his wife was from Israel and they had this bar it was a real shithole mm. and had a pool table in it and it was a bar that basically got busy at 4am right. to 8am and pe- people would go in and they pay pool and it would only be there was only three types of people in the bar mm. policemen mm-hmm. firemen mm-hmm. and people who had just finished working in the bar shift for the yeah. night and I used to go in I, I worked in a bar during the day but they thought I worked at night so I used to go in and I remember too, like playing the policeman, and the policeman go in and put their guns on the table and playing the policeman, and and I, seven friend beat these policemen and we started slagging them off, and a guy pulled me aside and was like, "You can't talk to the police." Like <laughs> 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 you do, you need to be wind in. You need to be respectful here. Like these guys are heroes. Do you know what I mean? Like well, especially right, right, right after then. nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. These guys are heroes. Like that. That was actually I was chatting to a friend about that because obviously, you know, the last couple of years, it's they don't have that reputation anymore in America. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gone. The, the police. They're gone. Shite. Like. Um, and New York crime at the minute is like through the roof. Which crime is? Crime in New York, like casual crime. Is like, it? Yeah, robbery, theft. It's like dramatically increased. So I, uh, a couple of female friends um, over there, one of them came to visit London recently, and she was saying that like just the amount of harassment women are getting on the subway. Now, in New York. Just, why, why is it gone so What's happened? Just fewer police. Fewer police. In so, a, inequality an issue? Or? It's the whole defund the police. They actually, they actually did defund the New York Police Department. Yeah. So they actually did remove bobbies from the beat equivalent. And so there's fewer people in subways, fewer people on the street corners. So it's the kind of crime that's prevented by presence, I guess. Okay. So um, the number of girls are, I mean, guys exposing themselves in the subway has always been a big thing. Like, Is that big here? No. I don't feel like it is as much. I feel like all my girlfriends in New York had a story about that, about some guy like just whipping his cock out and on the six train. Um, it's so strange, isn't it? It is. But I guess there's actually a good episode. You, you watched the TV show Master of None? The Aziz Ansari show? No. It's like, the, the it's a quite a funny gag in it where this guy gets caught jerking off on the, on the subway. And as he gets caught, he's like, well, aren't you aren't you grateful this, that isn't what you're into? Because this is what I'm into. This is so my, it's like this, a curse. Yeah, it's like, this is my sexual kink. I, this I, is what I'm into. I was thinking this the other day, you know, you're, you're kind of daydreaming, trying to think of material and that. And I was thinking of, like, I don't believe in God or reincarnation or anything like that. But if... There was a God and there was reincarnation and I was a God and someone wronged me. You could really punish them by making them a paedophile in a different life. Yeah. Like, you know, that would be, that'd be, you know, be a harsh punishment. <laughs> you know, I'm going to fucking give that guy a high sex drive. <laughs> Make him a paedophile. <laughs> he won't fuck with me again. 
a high sex drive and an inappropriate target. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's not going to mess with me again. Um, but it, yeah, it, 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 that kind of flashing though, they say it's about power more than sexual desire. Yeah, I mean, have you I've, read about that? Well, yeah, it's, it's they're sort of correlated, aren't they? Like, you know, isn't Oscar Wilde said all things are about power. sex? All things are about sex except sex, which is about power. So I, I, that would make complete sense to me if it, if it was like the domination. They're like you have to look at this. You have to, yeah. It's 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 that kind of power thing. Yeah. But um. You, like I guess like you're the only one doing it. They have to. They can't go anywhere. Like they're trapped. They can't look of, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And what they must get a what they get a, I suppose an adrenaline rush or something. Yeah. It? Yeah. Well, like the girls who told me the stories, it ranges from some guys will just be like silently doing it, like right. basically just like rubbing their fucking jeans, like making eye contact with you, which sounds horrific. Or flipping it right. I know, reminds me of like family family birthday parties. But then the the the, the other end will be guys like, you know, full flasher style, just 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 helicoptering it. Men and women really live in a different world, don't they? A hundred percent. Like it's it's unbelievable how how much of a different world we live in. Because I I grew up in a t- like a town that was kind of it's sort of rough enough. And like when I was a teenager, I think there's I think men's the teenage years for men mm. are dangerous. Yeah. But I think once you get to a certain point in your mid twenties, the world becomes very safe for men. Yeah. So like when I was a teenager, you you walk around the wrong corner, or you're in an area and you just bump into the wrong people, they're just gonna kick the shit out of you. Yeah. Like there's no, like, they're not gonna think about it. Like, it's almost like a, 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 a you know a knee jerk yeah. reaction. Like, and I got punched a lot as a teenager. Got beaten up a few times, but th- but then you know you know like you, you go. I went to university in Brighton. You go to city and like, and then suddenly it's just like. You know, after a while, no one fucking pays any attention to you. You can mm-hmm. walk wherever you want. You don't have to pay. You don't have to, like, I don't really have to be that aware of my surroundings and things yeah. like that. Um, but women always, always, always. always do. Yeah, yeah. Constantly, yeah. Yeah. I think having a little sister opened my eyes to it. that. Yeah. Like how much she would have to consider, like, how she got home and where Taxis she was. And, and yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because, like. Even for like shows, like so female comics in New York are doing shows. My friend Becca was talking about this. She's like, getting it's a big decision about how to get home. Yeah. So like if if you book a show in New Jersey or whatever, for you and me be like, oh, we'll just get the train home at one AM. Not a big deal. Whereas Becca's like, I'm not getting a fucking train home. At that time. At one AM. So, so that show's gonna cost me sixty bucks to it has it has it has happened with the comedy. I think particularly when you start comedy, you you you're, you're so keen to do any gig, and mm. you, you just yes, you know, apply, and you, you you don't even think where it is or what it is. But I I've booked gigs and then I've gone to do them, and as I'm walking to the gig, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, like this place is scary. The, one of the ones I had recently, um, God, I was uh, I don't know where I went. I was in Kent or somewhere, and I got the train, and then I went I went walking to the to the venue. And then I was walking like along a load of football pitches. Yeah. This is what the app was telling me to do. Like it was a walkway, pitch dark. Yeah. And there's like teenagers drinking on the football pitch on like a Friday night. And I was just like, this is, this is fucking scary. And then I ended, I ended up getting an Uber. I couldn't believe it. I was able to get an Uber. But you, you yeah, you just go and. Yeah. And as, and as a guy, you're like, I don't go, I don't, you know, it never yeah. crosses your mind to not take that gig. So, I, like, I think, you know, in comedy sometimes when it's like, oh, you know, it's always, you know, there's shitty, they're really shitty gigs. You think, oh, it's all those dudes here. And um, I th- think a huge part of it is we just don't live in that world where we have, where, where you have to pre-think pre, pre about everything before, it, before you get there. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, we do a current affair. What's going on in the week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think one thing that's interesting at the minute is the Ukraine uh, standoff thing. Right. That Putin and Boris are in the same spot. They're both pretty unpopular at home. They've got a potential for a war that can make them a bit more popular. popular. Well, listen, the, the, the Falklands War saved Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. So she was gone. Yeah. Like opinion polls down. She was she was only a couple of years into it at that stage, and then that boosted her ratings massively. If Boris goes to war for and protects Ukraine, would he be like? Would it be the same? Well, well, obviously with the Falklands thing, she had like British national interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, was, at, is at stake. Yes. I think what he could argue is it's kind of like reasserting Britain's place in the world. Because I think after a you know, big, I think a big part of the Brexit thing was reasserting Britain's role and dominance and our ability to be a big player. And I think he could definitely spin a narrative out of that. Yeah. You know, if we played a ma- meaningful role in stepping into this thing. Um, kind of like the Balkans, I guess. You know, you, you play a meaningful role. He, he he's definitely mad enough to do it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 100% he's mad enough to do, to, yeah. to send the army. Would would Britain's army on its own, probably would, beat Russia's army? I don't. I don't is, our, is our army good? I think it's probably better than Russia's. You reckon? I, I'm not certain, but it. Yeah, it, I feel like we'd have like better trained troops, and they just have more troops. You'd have better equipment, better technology. Yeah. They, yeah, they'd, they'd have more troops, but you'd have better. Yeah. Troops. It's funny because in my head, I'm just I can't imagine a conflict between Russia and England that doesn't take place in like 1940. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you get France on your side, yeah. we'll get the Italians on our side. Yeah, exactly. you know? yeah. <laughs> we'll march in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it was such a constant kind of thing, and now it's it's it doesn't happen much at all. Like yeah, yeah, and I I wonder if um, are you you would have thought as well of the last like 30, 40 years, those armies are probably in quite a lot of contact. Like, I would imagine they've done like training exercises. What if they're like friends? But, but the Russian? No. But they're not. The Russian, no. But they've like, had like strategic things where they've done things together and chatted and been at the same. Oh, I don't know. Gun show. Where would they? Where would they be hanging out? I, I don't know. I, I, in my, I could have this completely wrong. In my head, I felt like the modern state of Europe was more like, you know, everyone kind of shares stuff. Not, it? not Russia though. I think no. Russia's still on the outside of it because in a lot of these. Um, you know, I suppose in conflicts in the Middle East and that, mm. America and Russia and Britain, they're on different sides, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, Russia's with Iran mm-hmm. and the dictator in Syria. Yeah. Whereas Britain is more Saudi. Yeah. They're on well, the Saudi side. Yeah, whichever side America tells us to be on. We're on that well, side. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the special the special that's relationship. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, I, but the only thing I suppose is, could Britain go to war against Russia? without American backing or approval. I don't think you could. No. I think the level of loss, like uh, how intense that conflict would be, would just be a disaster mm. here. Like, there's no way of spinning that back to the UK public. That'd be, that'd but, be but you know wild. that America was against Britain going fighting the Falklands. Yeah. But, but acknowledged their right to do so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because um, wasn't the thing about like everyone presumed that Reagan and Thatcher were like bit like really good friends? Friends, but actually they were quite sort of. I, I think they were good friends, but they disagreed a lot. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. disagreed a lot. Yeah, I like the idea of Boris just sitting down and being like, "UK, Ukraine, UK reign, good." But do you think right? You know the way he's so kind of um, he plays the clown and he doesn't. I I, I think military 
I can't imagine he does the joking. Right. Do you know what I mean? I I could be wrong. Like I I imagine him in the pandemic. You know, he's in he's got his cobra meetings for the pandemic, and I imagine he's just taking the piss and he's like, oh, oh is it, you know, like joking and all. But for some reason, I think if he was talking about military. I know what you mean. He would just, he'd be like, well, you know, I don't think... It's that public schoolboy thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think, the, you know, the, 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 there's two things we take seriously. Rugby and war. Do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. nothing else. Yeah. yeah. Everything else is frivolous. Yeah. But but war, he'd be quite serious. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, this is what I've been training for my yeah. whole life. Yeah, and because the vanity is there and, you know, he'd yeah. get a lot of... Um, He's having a little triangle hat made. He'd, he'd have the hat and he'd be like, well, see this pen here? This is Churchill's pen. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bring it, bring it into the room and everything like that. Insist the press address him as like Commander Johnson, Commander Commander in Chief. But uh, do you think uh, Russia? They're just testing the water. I mean, it's because he's obviously Putin's got a lot of emotional, a lot emotionally he's riding on this for him. Like the you know the whole deal about the Soviet sphere of influence and how Kiev used to be the capital of the Soviet Union and like it feels quite a big emotional thing to to get, do yeah. to do. There's not a lot of objective. It doesn't seem like a lot of objective benefit. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not like there's a strategic yeah, huge re- strategic reasons for them for, to, for doing it. For yeah, doing it, yeah. Other than like I want to reassert Russian dominance. I want to reassert what I think Russia is in the world. And also, like a lot of leaders at the minute, he's pretty unpopular at home. He's got a lot of issues domestically. Yeah, do, you see, do you see where they kind of laugh off the sanctions? What do you make of that? Well, I think, what else are you going to do? Because yeah. if you're like, yeah, you know, they did. They did. It was bad. I sometimes, could this be an angle? I sometimes think, you know, that he, so Europe and America are usually united, yeah. right? Yeah. So if, if, if he invades Ukraine, America's like, all right, that's it, sanctions, right? But obviously Germany and countries on the eastern flank of Europe are far more dependent on economic arrangements with Russia yeah. than Britain or America's. Um, so there's an element of, if we do this, they'll do the sanctions, that'll hurt Germany, that'll create a, a, a division, mm. try to divide, trying to move Europe and yeah. America away from each other. And if we do that, China will give us a couple of billion. <laughs> 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 just up there playing 3D yeah, chess. Yeah, so if we do that, China said 100 billion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you split them two up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we'll give you our behind the sofa money. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. If, so like China's like this, uh, you know, femme fatale on the background. You split that couple up. If we can get into bed with Germany and France, you get you get your money there. Yeah. A sexy geopolitical power play. Mm. Yeah. No, I could you, could. you could see that. You could see that being a thing completely. And then that's what makes you um, makes me nervous about like being so certain about things. Oh, you can never be certain. Yeah, if you're like, oh, we should be at war, we shouldn't be at war, and and you, and you hadn't considered this sexy menage a trois. Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 uh, you you can you can never you can never tell what's going on, and and certainly they know that if they make this move, that move happens. And... Yeah, yeah, and so you do wonder if you know when, when he's telling you the truth. Sometimes he's like they're lying in plain sight, so he's like. No, it's just a po- what, what do you call it? A posturing or a training exercise? Yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. And you wonder if like it is just that because it will unlock other political doors for us further down the line. So all we actually have to do is posture and pose and do it for long enough that and it causes. And see what's happened. Yeah. And and I think with the energy crisis, like is that playing into it as well? Like is is the timing of it to do with the uh, 
price of oil and gas. Exactly, because obviously Europe gets all of its supply, doesn't it? From from, from Russia. From yeah. Russia, yeah. So, yeah, if you know that we're weak there at the minute, or, West, or Western Europe's weak there at the minute, and you think, oh, it's a pretty good time to call some shit and jack that price up or renegotiate or get something in return for it or whatever it is. Can you imagine? It'd be, it'd be pretty mad if, you know, you think, right, we had World War Two, and then we, had, well, I suppose you kind of had relative peace. You had that kind yeah. of period of calm. And then we had the millennium. Wouldn't it be kind of mad if we only had that period of calm because we were so awestruck by the millennium? And now it's just like, <laughs> oh, business is normal. Let's go back to it. <laughs> go on. Why, why are we all stripped by the millennium? Because, like, it's yeah, because that's what we're like. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but do you know what I mean? Like, that's what we're like. You know, like, we get distracted, you know, like fireworks. It's sort of like 2,000 years, you know, that, that just the idea that we had been around for, well, obviously we've been around longer, but like the idea that it was, two, yeah. it was a landmark sort of time yeah. just made us all kind of go, just made us all like sort of reflective or right. Do you know what I mean? Everyone was just like, "Wow, two thousand. And now we're just gonna get back to business. And that's just like, yeah, fuck this. Listen, do you know what I mean? We're not the big boys in town. We're not, we, but we want to be. Mm-hmm. Let's start playing the game. And I, I feel like um, Russia and China, you know, with cyber stuff, they, 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 they've never stopped. They're like, they're, no. they're, they're, they're going at it aggressively. Like. Oh yeah, and I think back to our early conversation about whether democracy is better or worse. Those state you know, top-down governments can play 3D chess. Yeah. Because they're like, no, this is the 25-year plan. This is the 10-year plan. This is the five-year plan. Whereas we're all scrabbling around trying to get votes. Yeah, but we're not scrabbling around either because like within the within the civil service, they'll have long-term plans mm. and, and you know, they will advise the incumbents yeah. to carry on with their long-term plans. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, I think that's a bit of a disingenuous criticism of democracy that they say like, you know, it's all short term thinking. It's, it's not all short term thinking. Like, yeah. And a lot of time a strong civil servant can sway ministers. Yeah, but that's, but that's still someone who isn't elected though, right? Yeah. So it's not. So it's not. Yeah, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what the guy, I think that's the, what the Trump guys call the shadow government. Yeah, it? the deep state. The, the deep state. Yeah. The deep state. But I like the idea that in the common concept of deep state, it's like, you know, these sophisticated sort of pretty cool behind the scenes guys. Whereas in reality, it's like, Nigel's been at the home office for quite a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Professors and academics yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Sarah and Nigel, who've been working on policy for 25 years. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's like the big baddies. They're the ones doing up the reports. Yeah, you'd be fucking furious if you're a big QAnon person, wouldn't you? How do you mean? Well, like, it, 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 back to the Millennium thing. You know, all those people thought the world was going to end. Yeah, and they must have been furious on like New Year's Day. I have a bit of a theory about this whole kind of conspiracy theory. Thing. Go on. Um, so this is this is what I think happens, right? I think that. In life, sometimes you lose control of yourself. Yep. Right. And I think when you lose control of yourself, you it's it's more reassuring to believe that someone is in control of you than you are out of control. Yeah, very fair. And I think that's what happens to people. Yeah. Um, because when you're out of control, you're, you're a danger to yourself and to others. Mm. And and I think that when people lose control of themselves, they you know they're 
they're suddenly on a roller coaster rather than an merry-go-round. And they'll cling to anything. To... Yeah, and, and, and there's probably an element of even though they're out of control, everything just slightly stays within the perimeters and and that starts to make them think, well, I'm not in control. S- haven't crashed yet. Someone else must be in control of me. Yeah. And then they start thinking like that. Yeah, and like whether you whether you use religion for that or whether you use what well, yeah, a, but it can a be a politician or any or an ideology or anything. It's yeah, yeah. More comforting to know I've given my I've given my agency to something else. To something else. So I, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Exactly, right, rather yeah. than rather than because if yeah. you're completely out of control all the time, like yeah. y- you can't be worrying about that all the yeah. y- it, you know, it would be it would be too much to to worry about that all the time. Yeah. Because I, I, I wonder what those QAnon guys are worried about now. I wonder what their thing is now. I wonder if they still think the deep state is... Uh, yeah, it'd be obvious. You reckon? Because like the, the whole thing was meant to be like January 6th was going to solve all the problems. The... The, the when they stormed the White House. Stormed and, the White yeah. House, yeah. And then, uh, obviously, that didn't solve all the problems. So you, you would think you'd be like a kid who's been told Christmas... Santa isn't real. Yeah, okay. But the, the January 6th, okay, they stormed it. But they didn't take over the state. No. So I would say they're probably quite energized at the minute because they I would say that they're kind of looking at that as a precursor because if you look at a lot of revolutions in history there's always a couple of minor events before the major events and that's probably where they're looking at that as a minor minor event yeah the next when's the next American election 2024 I'm not sure I think it's 2024 that's going to be wild Uh, (laughs) the the only thing I wonder is like if, if how bad Will we be affected if America goes really bad? Well, post Brexit, you'd think relatively, because we have to we have to start doing so many more deals with America and other nations outside of the EU. So there's already like a bunch of like agricultural deals being struck at the minute with with America that we used to do with the EU. And you would wonder if things like defense obviously would play a much, you know, a big role in some of those negotiations as well. You'd feel like it's, it would be unescapable for us. Yeah, if if America had a dictator, so say Trump had, uh, you know, staged a coup then. Yeah. And how much different would our lives be? I think it would have. I think it would have uh, given. Because like China is a dictatorship, really, in many ways. Yeah. One party. It is. Yeah, and that doesn't. And you saying that, that that doesn't, doesn't affect, really affect us. No, but I think. When you're looking, whether we like it or not, I think America dictates the tone globally. So, so they could then, if he was the di- if he had done the coup and dictator, yeah. he'd be going to the UN, and he'd be like, "Listen, Boris, yeah, forget about these elections. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do, if you want to instill it, he he might start. That's I think that that yeah. could that could be what would, he, he would it, it would spread, yeah, to the rest of the West. Yeah, the it's kind of like the thing back you know we said earlier about like. Uh, I can just call her a fat pig. Is that part of it? I don't yeah. know I could do that. Boris Johnson would be like, oh, I don't have to have them. You, you could start sure? doing that. This is, uh, and they would back you financially and they'd help you out. Yeah. And then you could be like, you know, Boris could say like, I've I've given everyone 12 quid. I've talked to my American friends. Everyone's going to get 100 pounds in the post. We don't have to have elections for another six or eight years. It's going to be fine. And then we all get VR headsets and then we just live inside Donald Trump's Trump Tower. In the small apartments. Yeah. Do you think VR will take off? I think if it gets, I think, well, I think if it gets good enough. Yeah, it will. It will get good enough. And then secondarily, if real life gets shit enough. 
Right. It's like if, let, let's say, climate catastrophe does happen and let's say you can't have a good job and some of the economic doom and gloom does come to pass, you're like, oh, I can just stick these on. But I think you're going to, I think it will take off and I think it'll be massive, but I, I don't think it'll be all consuming. Go on. So have you ever worn one of them? If you didn't? No, I haven't actually, no. All right. I, I went to, a good few years ago now, I went to a virtual reality Bjork exhibition. Okay. Where I watched a couple of music videos that Bjork had made in virtual reality. Mm. And um, it was amazing. And what I thought about it was, where I could see it doing really well is, um, you know, when you're like a teenager... And you're like, okay, Saturday evening you're going to watch telly or you're going to rent a movie or something like that. I could see, or you're going to play computer games. Yeah. I could see you just doing VR. At home? Or like at home, like, at right. home. Like, so like, I I think it would just be a thing at home. Another thing I think that could be huge in it, have you ever seen this thing now where people have like their Peloton or yeah. their bike? So my flatmate, he has his bike, he's got his laptop and he's cycling through London against people. That on, on virtual reality. Right. Where you would actually feel like you were. Mm. Um, so, so, so think that, like, I, I can't see people walking around in them every day. Oh, no, I was, I, more, I was more thinking that like, you just wouldn't leave your house. Like, just, you just for entertainment. I still think, pe- I still think pe- people would, like, I don't think, I don't think comedy clubs or bars and nightclubs, like, people would still want to, that's one thing we've learned from the pandemic, like, people still need mm. to be around people, like, you still need that, like, you might, you were, what, three, four months in a room? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it messes with you. It messes you up, like, there's a reason why solitary confinement, is, a, is people scream when they're being put in solitary confinement. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not good for you. Um, so I don't think it would, but I think it it it, it could become that kind of entertainment. Mm. The one thing that was bad was I went in. Most of the rooms we went into on, on this exhibition, there were tiny rooms, and you had a stool that was that swivelled. Right. And there was about thirty stools in each room, and you put on the headsets, and then like there was one video where she's singing on the beach, and you look up, you see the sky, you, you know, everywhere you look around, you see this beach. But one thing that happened in every room, and they, they warn you about it, but it still happens, is when people take them off at the end, and you come back to the confinement of the room you were in, loads of people fall over. Really? Yeah, yeah, become so discombobulated with space mm. and time. Um, That's interesting, because when... Because you, your reality is constructed. Yeah. Even like this, you know, you your perception of it is totally constructed. So if something else is constructed, if you're in the meantime. Yeah. So you just feel like you've loads of space. Yeah. Like you know, you like with the virtual reality. I look up, I can see the sky. So when the roof is there, it kind of becomes, um, and you just bump into people, and, and you you know you can spin around in the chair, and you you can see for miles and miles, and you don't realize that there's people just right beside you. Is it going to ruin relationships? How would it? How would it ruin relationships? Well, if the pornography is is of a high enough quality, and 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 yeah. and more importantly, if you can mimic intimacy, if you could basically you've got a preloaded partner, and it can mimic the aspects of intimacy that maybe a younger person is mostly interested in, is that going to then ruin your ability to seek that with a real person? I, I don't think so. I don't think so because. I think there is more to relationships than just the sex. You know what I mean? Uh, I think people would crave relationships anyway. 
you know. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, as you get older and older, that becomes truer and truer. And I, yeah. I think when you're forming that, you know, when you're like 18, 19, you know, your late teenage years and you're sort of learning how to have relationships with people, if you had something that was so seductive at that time in your life, before you'd matured, before you'd figured out that intimacy is more than just physical. Uh, yeah, I don't, where you could have an issue is, and I'd be thinking about China, <laughs> <laughs> where you could have an issue is where a government basically says like, Let's get rid of the community center. Let's get rid. Of, and they kind of done a lot of this stuff anyway. Like they 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 get rid of the socializing infrastructure yeah, yeah, yeah. for poor people and replace and just give them the visa or so. And then you could end up having a percentage of the population who are socially underdeveloped. But I think anyone who has options mm -hmm. to socialize will socialize. And I actually think, you know, when you, anyone I know who, who actually has got a good bit of money and stuff like that, who doesn't have to worry about their yeah. decision, they socialize the most. Yeah. They socialize all the time. Yeah. Because, and, I, and I think everyone would if they could. Um, that's a really good point, actually, that when people get to that level of wealth, what do they choose to spend their money on? Socializing. That's what they do. They do, they, like, I've, I've, few friends, like, people who have money, they're just doing stuff all the time, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good advert for getting rich. They just do stuff all the time, like, you know, like, they, you know, they're at a house party this weekend, they're at a dinner next weekend, they're on holidays the weekend after, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, I think, I, socializing is so enjoyable that I think if, when people are in a position to do it all the time, they will. Yeah. Yeah, which is a good it's a good reason to live forever. Exactly. And and you can't like any idea that a virtual world or, or computers can replace what you get. It's just nonsense because what you get from social it's unquantifiable. And socializing keeps you sane. Yeah. And who would choose to be insane? Yeah. Who would who would choose to be insane? Well, yeah. That's an interesting thing is like if you've never known Sanity, I guess. If you've never known yeah. what real socialization can feel like. And then I, I suppose if, if you have a depressed populace, they might like go for the virtual reality. But but yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm optimistic. I reckon no matter how much that stuff is available to us, we're always gonna pick socializing. Because having a having a real life conversation with somebody. Oh yeah, it's a tonic. Yeah, it's a tonic. It's an absolute tonic, yeah. Yeah. yeah it is. That's probably a good place to optimistic note to leave it on, maybe. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that that's true with the comedy, like where, you know, I think there was a time during the pandemic there was a worry that would online comedy replace live comedy? And it's just, it's just not the same thing no. for the performer or the, it's not the same thing for anybody. And there's something about, there. there is a kind of alchemy between the connection, not only that the audience has with the performer, but also the connection the audience members have with other audience members yeah. that they didn't know until that. And, you know. Because you can feel that. Oh, you show. can feel it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you're at a hot show that's doing really well, it, yes, your performance might be good, but the real thing is the connection between the audience. The connectivity between everyone. It's like yeah, yeah. we're all agreeing that we're in on this gag, we're in on this journey, we're in on this together. That's really what makes it great. 
And when you a beautiful thing to see or to experience is when you're a part of an audience that becomes so cohesive mm. that when the performance ends, there is no social barrier and everyone just talks to each other like they were just at a house party. Yeah, as if we'd known each other because we've all coalesced around this one thing. Yeah, thing. yeah. That's beautiful. It is, and it's really primal and it takes you back to like what's the what some of the greatest things about being human. human. And that's how we land. <laughs> 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 Tom and Jack having the crack. Episode one. <laughs> that was grand. Oof. I think I think an hour is.